You're listening to The Retail Revelation, sharing insight, knowledge, and expert opinion with digital and tech leaders from across the retail industry. Presented by Rembo Consultancy, working in partnership with leading retailers and brands to attract and hire the highest performing senior digital and tech talent. Find us online at rembo.com. Here's your host, Matthew Goddard. Hi, this is Matthew at Rembo Consultancy, proud to present to you another episode of our podcast series where we are dissecting the challenges and opportunities affecting the digital and tech landscape within the retail industry. Each week, we will be speaking to a leading light within the industry, um, a retail leader who is currently active within this particular space. And this afternoon, very pleased to welcome Alex Murray on to the call. Alex is currently Digital Director at Lidl and previously held a number of e-commerce and multi-channel positions at Waitrose. Alex, welcome to our podcast series. How are you? Hi, Matthew. I'm great. Thank you. Hello, everyone listening. Great stuff. Well, thanks very much for joining us. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of the actual challenges, I want to find out a bit more about you, really, and talk a bit about or find out how you got into this industry, how you got into the kind of sort of tech and digital space and why you continue to work in this space and what excites you to wake up every single day and, and get and get to kind of work, really. So give us a bit of a potted history, if you like about how you've ended up to where you are today? Well, it certainly is a very exciting industry and, and, and has been for the, the last 20 years that I've been in, in, involved with e-commerce. Um, I, I came out of uh, university having studied modern languages, big fan of, uh, of kind of tech, and my parents, interestingly, were quite early adopters of, uh, of tech, had a very high-spec computer at home in the days of uh, extremely slow dial-up and um, and I started quite early on just to get into a couple of forums online. I ended up working in the in the world of wine and uh, joined a few wine forums early online and that was sort of my my initial exposure really to to the internet and then uh, working for a for a wine uh, wine firm I got really properly into sort of running e-retail sites um, back in 1999 and uh, that was very early on very simple ordering processes but um, really opened up to me quite quickly the opportunities of sort of reaching out beyond the physical space that exists uh, and reaching new people you know virtually and that's pretty much still what I what I love about it now it's a very vibrant always moving industry even though it's been around now for for 20 plus years and um, I just love the fact that there's always something changing. Technology drives so much of the sort of consumer change. Uh, and so that means as a retailer, effectively, you're always having to reinvent yourself uh, and stay close to, to what your customers are doing. Fantastic. So what would you say, Alex, in terms of right here, right now, what emerging tech is affecting you, perhaps keeping you awake at night, or you, or do you see as the biggest challenge that you're currently working on, or the biggest opportunity currently? I mean, I think what's interesting is that there are, uh, you know, there are some technologies that have taken a number of years to mature. And I remember going to some of the tech conferences maybe 10 years ago, 
and uh, people were starting to talk about mobile and the likely impact of mobile. Um, but it probably took another five or six years, really, for that to to take hold to the degree um, you know, that it, that it has now uh, within our society. And I think there are a number of themes and topics that um, have been coming up over the last sort of uh, you know two three years. But there is a sense also that some of those things are starting to accelerate, and that kind of lead time is shortening. So I mean, I think the big topics really for the day, certainly for retailers, um, comes back to what technology can do in terms of helping us understand and get close to our customers. Um, you know, the the advent of mobile has meant that you effectively have a, a screen in, in every person's pocket uh, that they use to connect to the world. So this sort of always connected sense that people have um, is a real opportunity for retailers because uh, we can be present with our customers wherever they are. So, you know, mobile with it has brought a whole load of other technologies. It's not just about phone calls, which, of course, it was originally. It's basically our whole digitally connected lives uh, are always in people's hands. So that's, I think, been the, probably the biggest change that's happened over the last you know, six, seven, eight years. But there's some really interesting innovations and disruptive technologies um, coming on, on stream now that are still pretty nascent and undeveloped now, but kind of give a hint towards what might be coming in, in the future. You know, and some of those are uh, around payment and how we how we pay for goods and services. Um, conversational interfaces and conversational commerce is another big one. So these kind of smart speakers that we're starting to see um, people buying and putting in each room in, in their home. And then there's uh, a lot of really clever tech, which maybe isn't immediately customer facing, but will have a huge impact. Um, so when we think about um, the big data that's being created and has been created since people are living their lives online, you then need to find a way to make sensible that big data. And I think uh, as humans, we've actually struggled to work out how to make that data actionable and useful. Uh, and with the advent of kind of machine learning and AI, I think we're getting a glimpse now of what that might mean in the future for things like one-to-one personalization and programmatic marketing and so on. Fantastic. So what do you think then? Because I think these are the things that I think sometimes people do. You hear these words, they become like a buzz buzzword for yeah. the next challenge. What do you, in terms of actually making sense of some of these new technologies, how do you think that retailers that perhaps haven't already got to the stage where they are understanding what it can do for them, how do you think they can start to make sense of some of these new innovations, really? What, what, what would be the sort of starting, starting point for perhaps businesses who, who aren't quite there yet? I mean, the key thing is you, need to, you always need, as a, as a retailer, to get closer to your customer. That's the key thing. And if your customers are living out their lives in a way that's different to how they have before, you have to be there with them on that journey. So, you know, when we think about technology, it's not about technology for technology's sake. It's, well, how is it helping you as a retailer to help your customers? How is it helping to give them a more informed experience? How is it helping them to access your brand, your services? Um, so I think there's, um, you know, there is a danger sometimes that we get very excited about, um, you know, the, the future possibilities of technology. But it's always best to start with, how can I improve my customers' lives? 
So, I mean, an example I could give you is that if you've got a huge amount of information about your your products and your services, that can be quite overwhelming sometimes for customers. How do you help them to navigate it? Well, in, in previous lives, we would normally do that navigation through a screen-based interface. Now, in the future, that may be that we do that through a voice interface, or it may not be that at all. It may be that actually the machine learning, the way that your behavior is uh, interpreted, means that a smart assistant, for example, can actually proactively suggest things to you without you even having to ask at all. And if people welcome that and there's a value exchange in terms of them sharing data with you in order to get better services and, and products from, from you as a retailer, then that's a, a new and quite interesting place to go. But it's a, you're able to do that at scale in a way that you couldn't do that in the past with just a human talking to a human. Okay, fantastic. So what do you think then in terms of the artificial intelligence then? What would you say the potential is within that? And then on the flip side of that, what's the limitation of it, do you think? So I think it does have a a number of different expressions, and there's no question that um, artificial intelligence has definitely m- multiple nuances in terms of how it is executed. So I think, you know, when you're talking about providing, um, I don't know, something like a, a conversational, a two-way conversational interface, that's an incredibly difficult thing for a machine to do, um, you know, to kind of sense... Um, sort of hesitations in the voice or sarcasm or emotion. You know, reading between the lines in a conversation is an incredibly human thing to do and very difficult for a machine to do. However, things like crunching huge amounts of data and looking for patterns uh, is something actually that humans find, can find very difficult to do. And, you know, an, an AI potentially has the... Um, you know, in the future, the, the, the opportunity to take those huge data sets and make them into something much more actionable than we've seen to date. So I think, you know, when you talk about, as I said, one-to-one, you know, personalized marketing, that's incredibly intensive to try and take in uh, as a human being all of the nuances that an individual might have. But a machine may be able to infer that better across multiple data sets uh, and with examples and to train itself um, th- than a human might. Um, and I think we are beginning to see little glimpses of that, but it's still definitely some, well, I'd say considerable way off. It's hard to know how far off that is. It's interesting what you're saying then. Every, each question is not about looking at each of these tech pieces in silo. It really is about looking at what the customer is sort of starting each and every question with the, with the customer there at the sort of starting point. I think that's absolutely right. And, it, and I think it also depends on your business and your, and your business model. You know, so an, an interesting comparison for me would be between, uh, you know, my, my previous employer at Waitrose where, you know, the human touch, the, the one-to-one service was something that's very um, core to the brand. And at little, you know, really driving a, an efficient and lean business that delivers great prices and great quality product to the customers has very, very different expressions. And therefore, within that, artificial intelligence uh, and the use of, um, you know, the, the use of big data has has a different type of expression, and that's okay. Uh, it is really about meeting customer expectations. 
and definitely not overreaching customer expectations because there is a danger that people could be, you know, can be a bit freaked out um, by you know, data being pushed to them that they don't understand. Okay, fantastic. Um, obviously, the big things, machine learning, AI, these are things people are really talking about now. Is there anything that you envisage um, being something that isn't perhaps on the radar now that will be a future consideration in terms of something either that's groundbreaking or a real focus point in terms of a, I don't know, the future of emerging technology, something else that we perhaps people aren't talking about as 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 much yet as these as you know the the key things that we have already spoken about. Um, yes, I, well, I suppose I, I could be a very rich man if that were the case. Um, there, are some, there are some technologies, I think, that have been talked about for quite a while, but I have not really seen yet some very compelling or tangible um, sort of outputs or outcomes. So, you know, we've been talking about virtual reality and augmented reality for yeah. quite some time, but... Actually, certainly within the retail space, I've seen very limited executions um, that are really engaging. Now, part of that's you know, to do with the cost of hardware. Part of that is to do with uh, the maturity of kind of content production. But um, you know, that uh, that feels like a technology that, that whose time should have come and hasn't yet come, in, in, in my view. You know, there are other technologies, I think, particularly around the kind of uh, uh, physical automation space, so in kind of um, warehousing, in transport and in logistics, um, that again, we're just starting to see some really interesting early alternatives uh, around kind of, you know, robotics uh, and delivery. But a lot of the innovation actually in the delivery space, for example, is less about the technology and more about new business models finding new ways to get things to people um, that's quite different to um, you know, tr- traditional um, logistics. Okay, fantastic. One thing we touched upon earlier, I sort of made some notes, obviously we're interested here in recruitment. Um, and I think one thing that I'm interested in is thinking about the retail workforce of the future. Um, do you have any ideas around, if we fast forward, we mentioned before that how, how quick the mobile has been in the past 10, 10 years and, and, and how that continues to evolve. If we fast forward perhaps 10, 10 years, what differences do you see in terms of the retail industry work workforce and what might, might might be completely different to what we see now. Well, I think I think the physical retail space will continue to adapt. I think it will increasingly become more and more digitized, uh, not necessarily through through in-store technology, but just the availability of technology to consumers themselves in that space. Um, I mean, the impact that that's likely to have is that. Uh, you know, retail workers will uh, will have the opportunity to interact with those customers um, using technology and with the assistance of technology to provide you know be- better interactions. But it's also true that there are certain technologies that will take human input, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah. I see there's lots there's lots and lots of activity that takes place in retail that has very little value to either employees or to uh, to customers themselves. And if we can take out those non-value-add um, activities, um, then that's going to free up people to be much more creative, to have time to interact in much more meaningful ways with customers. And that's, that's definitely what I, I would like to see. 
And what about in terms of um, do you see any more specialist roles within the digital and tech space that we perhaps haven't seen yet or a growth in, in that in that particular um, in the function, I guess, at the, head, at the retail head offices? Any sort of roles that we're going to see a massive growth growth in? I think there are there are two two main ones that I've seen. One is around um, a, a, an ability to lead and execute this sort of ongoing digital transformation. And I'm absolutely convinced that the primary need for most businesses is to create the ability to drive and adapt to change. That's the key thing. So having whether it's a team or whether it's a mindset or whether it's a culture or whether it's all of these things the, the ability to be able to reinvent yourself or to uh, kind of pivot your way of thinking um, to be able to execute change uh, scalable change uh, quickly to have a test and learn mindset that i think is going to be one of the most fundamental functions of somebody if not everybody um, within kind of retail team the other thing that I just see constant innovation uh, in, and it's probably because I'm quite close to it sort of within, within my own business, but the level of change in technology within, uh, within marketing in particular is, is it really goes at a bewildering speed. So the, the change to kind of programmatic and the different interfaces and the online advertising and viewability of rich media uh, and, and transparency within that space. I, I, I don't see that pace of change slowing down anytime soon. If anything, it's getting uh, more, more complex and will require more specialist roles uh, into, you know, into some of the detail uh, of those marketing areas. And I guess roles that you probably haven't, haven't even heard of yet that will be common roles in five or ten years. Well, absolutely. And there'll, and there'll be other roles that, um, you know, that quite rightly you know, serve a, a use for a certain amount of time, but then, um, you know, then disappear. I mean, people always talk about how businesses used to have the um, head of, you know, head of electricity. Uh, you know, uh, and now, you know, that's just it's such a complete anathema to us to think, well, why would you even need that? And I'm sure there are roles that as digital becomes, you know, ever increasingly integrated into our lives that a lot of the traditional digital roles will quite rightly just die out because they will just become fully integrated into a normal function somewhere within the business. Fantastic. You spoke about sort of change being a massive focus and I think companies businesses obviously do need to be at the forefront of of that change I always think about change you have to be open to learning how do you ensure that you stay ahead of the curve in terms of your own development and learning well there are two things that I have found incredibly useful really after um, you know over the past you know, 20 years or so one is that to ad adopt an attitude of there's always somebody else out there who can teach you something that you don't know and i actually I, actually i think that the, the sort of digital the professional digital ecosystem has been incredibly good uh at being open about what they're you know, what they're learning uh what changes what challenges they're encountering and being prepared to share that um, with other businesses so there's been a sort of communal learning curve um, that somehow I certainly feel that digital professionals have been able to sort of abstract away from their their business and to sort of share those um, general learnings with others and I've certainly benefited benefited from that um, myself 
the other sort of change, I suppose, that um, that I have seen as well is that there has been this widespread willingness to try stuff that you don't understand and you're not quite sure how it's going to work or why it's going to work. But there's, that there's value in trying something and learning from it, irrespective of the outcome. Um, and I don't see that in a lot of industries that are very, very risk adverse. Yeah. Um, but I think retail has been quite a leader in that area of being able to try stuff. Part of that's out of necessity to keep up with customers. But I think just there's been a real willingness to say, well, we don't necessarily know all the answers. We have to just try things and see if they work. And if they don't, then we'll move on to something else. And if they do, then then great. Fantastic. Going back from what you said, uh, going back to what you were saying before about learning from others, do you find then that your peers are open to sharing ideas, wary about you know um, passing on key information and people stealing ideas? I think there are always, quite rightly, commercial sensitivities, and there are some things that, um, quite rightly, um, professionals don't and shouldn't share. But I do think that genuinely within the digital space, there has been this genuine spirit of openness that we can all benefit from learning from each other. And if you have to abstract some of those learnings a bit, but still be able to share them, then so much the better. Of course, there are sensitivities and there are um, you know, certain innovations and initiatives. But really, once something's in the public domain or you've launched it or you've launched a trial, actually, by sharing those learnings with each other, the whole industry benefits. And, you know, you can you can see these themes sort of spreading out across industries. Certainly I've seen it in retail where there's been widespread adoption. And actually that's been a benefit to everybody in the industry and a benefit to consumers. In terms of, uh, I think some of the listeners are going to be interested um i'm aware that you can't be as specific because you know again that sensitive side uh you know talking about what specific strategies little are going to be employing but i think people are interested in how discounts such as little are going to sort of stay ahead of the curve in terms of innovation and i think innovation versus cost which is obviously cost is always going to be a massive you know, consideration for um, the um, value sector within retail. Do you have any ideas around that? My view is that cost and profitability matters to every business, not just our business. I think everyone cares about that a great deal. Of course, when you look at your, um, you look at your business, you have to be really clear about how you give customers what they want and about how you make money in the process. Those are the, you know, the two fundamental questions. So I think when we're thinking about the options that we've got ahead of us, we're incredibly conscious of what our customers would like, but we want to give them something that's sustainable, that's relevant, that's meaningful, and that's also distinctive. You know, and that requires, um, you know, a great deal of thought. I think particularly to combine that sustainable, sustainable profitability with giving customers, you know, a service that they that they want. And frankly, the grocery industry generally in the UK has done an incredibly bad job of explaining to customers things like the value of picking, packing and delivery which, you know, the UK consumer is actually very reluctant to pay 
but is incredibly expensive for businesses to execute and to, to deliver. So, you know, a part of it, we have to look at ourselves, I think, as, a, as an industry and sort of say, well, how do we bring the, the value back into that? Because if, if I take an hour and a half to pick and pack and deliver somebody's order, that's an hour and a half of their time that I've saved them. And we've not done a very good job, again, as an industry of, uh, of making that clear, the value that we're adding to customers in that space. I think I was reading that a few businesses, it's not that actual, the online model isn't particularly profitable for most retailers, the um, online I, delivery I, side of things. I, I, can't, I can't comment for, for all retailers, and retailers will have different sort of margins, et cetera, on their, on their products. I think what we do need fundamentally is to rethink the value chain overall and explain to customers why we are adding value where we do and also maybe just a bit a little bit more transparent about um, the cost that's involved in that because i think a lot of consumers just don't understand the the expense that there is in having you know a fleet of uh you know liveried vans with drivers that you've got to maintain and fill up you know the vans with petrol and you know pay them all of that time it's a, it is an expensive business it's right that we should that we should give you know the service to customers, but I think we just need to do a better job of explaining to them what a great service it is and how much value it's adding into their lives. Fantastic. Are you able to give me any idea on what is next on the agenda for you at Little um, in terms of this emerging tech? So we absolutely are looking at pretty much all of the emerging tech that uh, we've just discussed in this conversation. Obviously, we are thinking very carefully about what our digital offer should be for our customers we are balancing that question which is how do we give customers what they want and have a sustainable profitable business that we can continue to offer the services that we do to our customers but there's a lot of other innovation i think that enables us to be present with our customers in their digital lives that isn't necessarily just in the transactional selling of something. So I think for, for brands, it's certainly something to think about is how do I live within a digital life? Because my customers have these integrated, of course, they're integrated lives, but increasingly so much of our time is spent in a kind of digital state. Uh, and, you know, all retailers and indeed brands, businesses need to think about how do I stay relevant and present with those customers wherever they're spending their time and that for me is the fundamental challenge and if you build up a good relationship and relationships come from spending time together then you have the opportunity to talk about well how can we add value to your life through uh, our products and services and um in terms of loyalty within the grocery market do you think that's becoming ever more of a challenge to actually retain the customers absolutely um i mean i think what's what's interesting in in the um in the online space for me is of course how easy it is to switch between retailers so you know most of our offline shopping is based to some degree on the convenience of being able to access the physical outlet that we want but with online shopping that constraint is removed and therefore it's very very easy to switch between um, whichever retailers you want our view as a business about loyalty is that we believe that by providing 
you know, really high quality produce and products at an incredibly, um, you know, competitive price. That fundamentally is what drives the loyalty to us as a business. So rather than getting complicated promotional mechanics or, you know, cards where you've got to collect points or remember to spend vouchers or whatever, we would prefer to really drive that back into our core proposition, which is the best possible quality for the lowest possible price. And we think that drives loyalty for our customers. Alex, we're almost to the 30 minutes. So thank you very much for joining me on this podcast this afternoon. Where can our listeners find you if you wanted to kind of connect with you? Are you on LinkedIn? Are you on Twitter? Uh, yes, I'm on all of the above. So if you search for me, uh, uh, AKR Murray uh, on LinkedIn, I'll be there, Alex Murray. Uh, I'm on Twitter as uh, Digital Drago Man, which I'm sure okay. you'll be able, be able to find. <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely. Do feel free to reach out to me. Very happy to uh, happy to talk. Alex, thanks once again for joining us. Alex Murray, Digital Director at Little. And join us again for our next podcast session, which will be coming up very soon. Until then, this is Matthew Goddard at Rembo Consultancy. I will see you again very soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to The Retail Revelation. If you like what you've heard, please like, rate, subscribe and share. See you again soon for another episode of The Retail Revelation, brought to you by Rembo Consultancy. 